3: Alright, this is your daily Premier League podcast, it's Football Social Daily. I'm Jim Salverson and in the Sports Social Studio today I've got Marley Anderson there. Hello, you miss me? Very much so, Marley's been on holiday in Prague. Yeah. Are you recovered yet, Marley? Uh, Just a quick... Yeah. Four days in Prague, yesterday he did not look well at all. We've got Stefan Armstrong over there who's not been in Prague and looks far more healthy.
2: Ooh, I'm not sure about that, Jim. I mean, we look pretty similar, to be honest.
3: Right, on today's podcast, we're going to be talking about City. their Premier League champions. They're through to the last 16 of the Champions League. They're chasing the title this year. They've got some of the best players on the planet, but it would seem that something is not quite right at the Etihad right now. We'll be trying to work out what, after their 1-1 draw with Shakhtar Donetsk last night, we all knew that Jose Mourinho was going to bring drama to North London, and it happened in spades last night. A massive comeback. Versus Olympiacos, we're going to be discussing the Mourinho effect at Tottenham. Has it started already? And Chelsea and Liverpool could make it four Premier League teams into the last 16 of the Champions League. Tonight, we'll look at their chances of qualification very shortly. But we are going to start with Manchester City, their game at Shakhtar Donetsk last night, and the performance against Shakhtar Donetsk as well. They're through to the last 16 of the Champions League, but a lacklustre 1-1 draw has left a fair few fans scratching their heads and potentially worried about the future as well. And we're going to be joined by Sam Lee from The Athletic to talk us through this one. Hi, Sam. Morning. Thank you very much for coming on. So when you look through Manchester City Twitter this morning, the phrases that I'm seeing are players aren't bothered, typical City, but you see that after every (laughs) match pretty much, and we're not going to win anything this year. Is it an overreaction or was last night's performance just a kind of a symptom of something that's going on at the club at the moment?
0: Um, I I think it is a bit of an overreaction, but also something is isn't quite right. And what I mean by that is, if you look back to January when City lost at Newcastle, which was, you know, within a month of them losing at Palace and Leicester over Christmas, and you look at it and think, what's going on here? Something isn't quite right. You know, Guardiola have been complaining in recent weeks, even when they'd warned about them, you know, not not putting their foot down and mm. killing off games and you think, what's, what's going on here? And then obviously they won the next 14 games and, and won the title. They've always got it in them to, to sometimes not look quite right, but then go and put things right. But at the moment there's a bit of a sense that they're not, well, it's half and perfect. Um, it was weird because the Chelsea game, they didn't play particularly well, but still won, mm. which they deserve immense credit for, because normally when they don't play well, you know, the system completely goes to pot. So, they deserve credit for beating a very good team when not playing well. But like the game last night, you know, normally City fans in the Champions League group stage, it's become, you know, boring and straightforward because they often get easy draws. But at least, you know, fans can normally turn up and think, yeah, Guardiola will change the team around a bit. They might win four or five nil. But last night, it was was quite dull. It went, City scored. I got the feeling, I think a lot of people did as well, that, you know, Shakhtar weren't out of it and they would get one chance um, and that's exactly what happened. I said, and, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't a big push at the end either. So yeah, it, it's certainly not quite right at the minute. And then, yeah, well, I'm sure we'll go into the reasons about why they might or might not win a trophy. But yeah, what do you think?
3: I mean, I said lacklustre at the start of the show. And I think that kind of sums it up. There just seems to be a lack of intensity. Last night for City, and in recent weeks as well, that kind of the, what you associate with the Pep Guardiola team doesn't seem to be there, but does it?
2: That's a nothing game for City last night. They're already it, what, through, what so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but, but we're also talking about Man City in the Champions League group stages. They're sending out adverts trying to fill the stadium up. It, it, it's, you know what I mean? It's yeah. it's going to be a nothing thing. Um, Sam,
1: <laughs> I don't know if, what your sort of thoughts are on this, but for me, when I seen that team last night. I looked and I thought, why has he kept such a strong team in a game like this where you are, the, the motivation for me was like the thing like, why would those players be up for it? Do you know what I mean? Like they play, they play Shakhtar every year. They keep beating him and then they, they show up and they play again and everyone's coming to the stadium and thinking Foden's going to play and yeah. maybe Tommy Doyle and all these, like maybe Eric Garcia gets a game, for example. Yeah. And he plays the same team. You know the, the team just shot, me, and then he put David Silver on instead of Foden, and Foden got fifteen right? minutes. And I was like, you know, I've defended his management of Foden like very, very like stoutly. I don't think anyone could be doing a better job with him. I don't think he'd be as as good a player he is under anyone on, other than Guardiola. But when he's not coming on in games like that, that's ultimately a bit of a kick.
0: Yeah, I completely agree with you about about Foden and how he's been handled. You know, I've always I've always said that. people are calling for him to be playing much too early but then yeah last night obviously City would have wanted to to win it and top the group so then you know they don't have to go to Croatia and and need need to win but you can still do that with Foden in the team to be Mm. fair I still think the team was it was obviously stronger in terms of he didn't play teenagers but it was still, you know, you've still got two fifty million million right-backs, and it's not just, you know, it's not just a money thing, but it, it just goes to show how good and how, you know, highly rated they both are. You know, he, he did he did change things around, particularly in defence. Um, up front kind of, hands were tied a, a bit with Aguero being injured, and, you know, obviously Sane's still out. But, yeah, I, was, I don't know. He, he changed things around, but it was still stronger than people expected. Yeah, the Foden thing, just just for a bit of energy, really, because, again, as, you know, people have been saying, Jim was saying at the start, he was saying, didn't really look up for it didn't you know a bit of a lack of motivation I don't think there was a lack of motivation but whatever there is at the moment what do you think, think, do you think you know, it is playing there? Playing some on the phone would I inject a bit of energy. What is,
3: the, what is the problem? What is I, I just think because... it was complacency a little bit. But what about the other game? I mean, there's players out of form, right? So you've got like Rodri and Jesus haven't been particularly impressive. They were kind of underwhelming last night. There's injuries to the team. You can kind of give them that. Laporte's a big miss. There's such a high bar for Pep Guardiola. and such a high bar for City. It seems almost wrong to call these performances poor, Sam. But because that bar yeah. is high, by comparison, they are poor.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think last, last night, in that sense, and yeah, even against Chelsea, to be fair, given what I said earlier, um, it's difficult, and it's a bit of a chicken and egg situation. I'm still trying to work it out myself um, because you've got a lot of individuals playing not at their level, as you said. Um, De Bruyne not quite on it at the moment. Not, nor Silver nor Bernard, uh, nor Silver nor Sterling. You know, Bernardo, silver nor Sterling. Um, so you've got you know key players there, the people who are providing the goals and and scoring the goals um, not playing well and you think are they all have they all dropped off for whatever reason or be looking at the other side of things and think is it is it a tactical thing and I'm not a fan of the double pivot thing they've got going on at the moment where they've got somebody playing deeper next to Rodri double it's pivot. not just Rodri <laughs> sounds sexual <laughs> <laughs> Cause, yeah, I think what's good about City what has been good is everyone knows how they were going to play. You know, there would be the guy in the back of midfield, usually Fernandinho, but Gundogan showed he could do it last season. And then Silva and De Bruyne are ahead. And all the little link-ups that they've got with the wingers and the forwards, with it's Jesus dropping deep or Aguero running in behind. Everyone knows what they're doing. And I just think at the moment, you know, with one of the midfielders playing much deeper, the other one kind of, I'll to the left or to the right, you know, whoever it is, it, it's thrown things off a bit. There's not quite the same attacking patterns up front. Um, they're still getting bypassed in midfield. So you're weaker up front. Your defence is getting more exposed. The defence isn't as strong as it has been, you know, for for reasons that everyone knows about Mm. with the injuries and company going and whatever. So you've got this situation where, yeah, they're not creating as many chances and they're looking quite open. So I I basically think it's a tactical thing. I think it all kind of comes from the midfield. And I think that, you know, the reason the wingers are looking not as potent at the moment is because, you know, they're often... Got to take players on by themselves. They can't just play that
3: one-two. Nice one, Sam. Thank you very much. I'm sure they're absolutely spank Newcastle at the weekend. (laughs) And suddenly (laughs) it'll be repeated January on Saturday. (laughs) Cheers for going on, Sam. Really appreciate your thoughts. Cheers, guys. That's Sam Lee. You can read his stuff daily in the Athletic. He is the Manchester City
2: correspondent. So gone, Steph. Do you know what I reckon? Gone. I reckon Man City currently uh, Mercedes um, (laughs) pre-season testing in Barcelona. They're just, they're just in second gear. It's they're cruising. Sh- yeah, they're cruising, they're strolling along. They don't really need to be any better than they are because they're winning the majority of the games. Mm. They're, they're through in the Champions League. If you look at Chelsea and uh, who else is playing tonight? Liverpool. They both really need to get results tonight. Uh, City don't. Last night was a bit of an offing game. We all know what the atmosphere like. is there during these games but that's anyway. not That's not
3: it's... how Pep Guardiola plays football. He plays every but... single game as if it's a cup final with an intensity and... No, it just I d- doesn't I don't, seem to be I don't, this season. I don't,
2: I don't think that, that's true. I don't think that's true. I, I don't, don't think he's think, ever played like that.
3: I think the previous seasons, like think about the Centurion season when they got over 100 points. Yeah. Every single game we saw, or pretty much every single game, we saw a Manchester City team who completely dominated their opponents for the first time in, I think it's the first time in 300 not 300 games, maybe it's 300 games, first time since Pep Guardiola took charge pretty much in the Chelsea game at the weekend, we saw Chelsea having more possession than City. This isn't City. This is his entire career.
2: Yeah, this is Guardiola. I think this isn't what we know. It seems different. They beat a good Chelsea team two one. I don't think it matters. I think what matters for Man City is come February that they really kick into gear, and Mm. I think they probably will.
3: Yeah, the positive news for City is they'll have plenty of money to spend in January, should they want to as <laughs> well. The, thing, the thing about the weekend was. The giant investment.
2: Yeah, it, the weekend was. It was the first time that Kevin De Bruyne really looked like this season, that he was a top, top, top class player. And again. he
3: played well last night. He was one of the few City players who looked good last night. And
2: all it takes is two or three of these players to really kick into mm-hmm. gear, and this conversation won't happen again. I'm telling you. We'll
3: come back in February. <laughs> we'll, we'll hold you to this. Yeah, as I was saying, City have had an investment of three hundred ninety, three hundred eighty nine million pound invested in the City Football Group yesterday from Silver Lake Investment, which is a US company, which mounts that they're now owned by partly by the Chinese, partly by Abu Dhabi Group, and now 10% owned by a US company. I mean, it's difficult to know what this means other than FFP is not an issue for Manchester City anymore.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um yeah, I was thinking about it yesterday, like, when we talk about FFP and stuff and how nobody can sort of grow anymore because the more money you want to put in wherever you get it from there's restrictions on you throwing it in so if another city couldn't come along under FFP and throw money at mm. at the club but I just think they've done everything right like I don't really I don't have an issue with millionaire billionaire shakes buying clubs like it it happens like it's a business it's a good business opportunity if you get it right they've got everything right from the board level down to the manager down to the playing staff down to the youth team. Down to their outreach in the community, they've done so much for Manchester. Yeah, which is like they've built, they've created jobs, they've built campuses, they've made it a better place. And it's I don't see any I don't see any issue with it. When you get rival fans going, oh yeah, it's oil money. It's largely <laughs> <jealousy>. <laughs> if you've got to use jealousy. it. I wish Newcastle get bought, got bought by Shakes <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow. I'd be I'd be there. I'd I'd, I'd just be. Yeah, I've Mali, been there every you, week. You, not watching Steve Bruce, and that'd
2: be brilliant. Do you, <laughs> do you reckon Man City are the best team in the world? In not just necessarily in terms of the actual football team, but in terms, in terms of, of like how the whole run? thing. Yeah,
1: yeah, because yeah. if you look at like Barcelona, for example, they have you know they have elections for presidents. It works slightly different over there, and it's like it's like getting a, a prime minister over here. They might not always be the best. They might mm-hmm. start off right, but the, it gets sort of annoying. Whereas where, you know, in our, in our sort of system, if the board's right, you can, you don't need
3: to shift them. Well, the wonderful thing about Manchester City is they've... And I'm, this isn't a criticism about a lack of history or anything like that, or being a little club, but the idea is that they've had the opportunity to build a perfect football club from the ground up. Yeah. They've kind of gone, right, this is the infrastructure, we want to make this perfect, this is the management structure we want, we want this guy in charge, and they've just built it from the ground up and yeah. constructed it perfectly. You're yeah, right, it's had, an amazing they project.
1: Did, they had a... What, three, four, five-year plan to get Pep Guardiola. Yeah. So they got his his trusted mates, Uh, Bigiri Stein and Soriano. Well, he'll bring he'll bring Pep. They'll bring Pep, and we want Pep. So they've gone and done it. That's great. That's good man. That's good business knowledge and good strategy from that thing. Whereas if you look at other clubs, again, I'm going to come back to Newcastle. You've got two fat idiots in the uh, in the boardroom. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, well, he got a cabbage thrown at him,
3: but he's a Geordie, so we'll take him. He got a cabbage thrown at him. Steve Bruce, yeah, he
1: got a cabbage <laughs> thrown at him at
3: Aston Villa. You've not been listening to the podcast, Stefan. <laughs> <laughs> right, Jesus. let's move on. we' brilliant. We've got to leave Manchester now, and we've got to go to Tottenham. I think pretty much around half an hour <laughs> into the game against Olympiacos last night for Tottenham, you could virtually hear the knives being sharpened about Jose Mourinho's reign, but it was a dramatic turnaround. Yeah, from Manchester. They won 4-2. In the end, a massive comeback and everyone's singing Jose Mourinho's praises now. Was this the first sign we've seen of the Mourinho
2: effect at Spurs? Oh, he's a class act. I love him. I I don't really want to say any more than that, but I just love the guy. We were promised drama and he's delivered drama already. (laughs) Yeah, and to be fair, if every game's kind of a 3-2, 4-2 thriller, then brilliant. (laughs) I love it. I'm I'm finding myself supporting Tottenham a little bit. Tottenham and Chelsea are my two favourite teams right now. and That's concerning. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) I think... There's something about last night's performance
3: that makes me have faith in Mourinho doing a job at Tottenham. It's one thing having that new manager bounce when a new manager comes in and the team suddenly performs better and they're all trying to impress the new boss and get a position in the team and all that kind of thing. It's a completely another thing where 2-0 down, the manager makes changes, pulls the team in at half-time, gives them a rollicking and they run out four two winners. That feels like the manager has had an effect there. Yeah, he
1: does. I mean, he said after the West Ham game at the weekend, he was being a bit... He was being being a bit Jose, wasn't he? As in, I didn't do anything. I just I'm just he- here helping them yeah. along, kind of thing. <laughs> and last night, obviously, he'll probably try and deny it again. I didn't hear it all of his uh, post match press conference, but um, he did. He did clearly have an effect. Like a lot of people are saying on social media that um, would Potchettino have done the same thing? Would he have took Eric Dyer off after half an hour? Obviously, we'll never know that, but the. People are inclined to say, no, he might have left it till half-time at the earliest.
3: Managers but, hardly ever make changes, other than Jose Mourinho, before the half-time mark, do they? Yeah, and he gets it right. He got it right last night. Two, you're 2-0 two down at home. You need a result.
1: You don't need two defensive midfielders. If you're going to get more back into the match, you put a more creative player on. And he said, I had to take Dyer or Winks off. And Winks is the better passer, so you'd leave him on. Or I can move Dyer to centre back and take one of the centre backs off. Mm. And the two centre backs are better at centre back than Dyer. So take him off, put Christian Eriksen on, who's, yes, he's unsettled, but he's also probably the most creative player in the entire squad. Put him on, 4 2, job's a good and great management. Dyer took it well. Um, it was good to see like he didn't take a strop because why would you ed- pra- practically end your Spurs career after two games under a new manager if you take a strop against him? It's pointless. Um, he said to Dyer after the match like no hard feelings I had to take him off it was tactical players should respect that you don't see it after half an hour too often and you sometimes see players you know throwing the toys out the pram but it's tactical if you win the game great if you're going to lose 6-0 you can maybe have a bit of a gripe about
3: it but Won the game. If you're Eric Dyer, Stephanie, Simple. are you starting to worry about your future? Being pulled off after 28 minutes? Or is it just, do you take it in that one, not, it's not, a game? Not it's... really,
2: no, because he wasn't really getting much playing time under Pochettino. So no. if I was Eric Dyer, I'd be thinking, do you know what? Mourinho exactly. rates defensive midfield players like me. and probably in the best place. What I will say about last night is it showed great confidence and conviction from Jose Mourinho. But he got a massive helping hand from Olympiakos for that goal before half time. I mean, that was an absolute yeah. gift for Dele Alliott. I mean, we were saying that Olympiacos were a poor team. They shouldn't have been 2-0 up in the first place. Great first really. goal, though, eh? Yes. <laughs> what, very good goal. What a great yes. first goal. That that guy there, the stats came on last night. He scored 199 goals in 300 games. I've never heard of him. Wow. Who? El Arabi? Yeah. Has he?
1: Yeah. What, on FIFA? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, but, yeah. I don't know. Uh, Olympiacos are a good team at home. They don't travel too well. Um, you know, they would they would, they have enough about them to cause problems. So, with with Mourinho as well, like the the tactical to have that tactical knowledge to change it and to know it would work
3: after two games at a new team is 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 again impressive. Supposedly. Mourinho has this three-man shortlist of players he wants to bring in in January. Amazingly, Nemanja Matic, Matic is one of those players. Bruno <laughs> Fernandes is the other one. Ruben D is, is the other one. But last night proved to me that one player he needs to get sorted is Christian Eriksen now. He's the, mo- he's the spark well, that he had when he came on.
1: To be fair, if, if he's going to go for Bruno Fernandes, Christian Eriksen is surely the guy who goes out for that. Do you think he's preparing? Yeah. He's laying the groundwork? Yeah. I think the fact... Did Eriksen start at the weekend against West Ham? No, no, and he didn't start last night. I think he's came in. Obviously, that's probably going to be one of the first things he says because it was a problem under Pochettino. He's probably said, right, what's the situation? Where's your head at? And he's probably said, look, I'm unsettled. I want to leave. And he's went,
2: okay, fine.
3: I'll, I'll try and get ready in January.
2: He, he always says that he Simples. doesn't want unhappy players at his club. so He wants
3: to make them unhappy himself. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't want them happy when he goes no. in in the first that's a, that's
2: Somebody who isn't going to be unhappy this morning is that ball boy. He'll be going to school oh, yeah. thinking, do you oh, know what? He'll be what? a hero. I, I've done an assist tonight, lads. Brilliant. Yeah, it was brilliant. you haven't what seen it, he just threw the ball
3: very quickly into... Who was it he gave the ball to? Who took the throw in? Uh, was it Lucas or was it Aurier? Aurier. I think it was Aurier. Who threw the ball in. So And uh, Mourinho praised the ball boy afterwards and said he was the hero <laughs> of the match. That's, that's you know classic Mourinho. That's yeah. why I love him. I Absolutely was, brilliant. I was considering
1: playing devil's advocate there and just saying he did his job. <laughs> ball boy gave the ball to the player wow. very quickly. It's a multi-ball system. <laughs> you did your job, pal. You if
3: joke. you're listening... You might remember Jose Mourinho's got history of referring nuggets, to uh, ball boys and their influence on the games. <laughs> Previously, he's had go at ball boys before oh, did, about did, their impact. Did he say I was a great ball boy? And I can see, yeah. the talent.
2: of exactly <laughs> <ball> Boy? <laughs> yeah.
3: Perfect, Mourinho. Right, we're going to come back in a minute. We're going to talk about Mourinho's old charges, Chelsea, their match against Valencia tonight, and Liverpool's qualification in the Champions League as they take on Napoli. We'll do it next on Football Social Daily.
0: Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the
3: podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Premier League updates. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. It could be four from four Premier League teams in the last 16 of the Champions League. It depends what happens with Liverpool and with Chelsea tonight who could both qualify with wins against their opponents. So a win for Chelsea tonight versus Valencia would see them through to the knockout stage of the Champions League because Valencia and Ajax who are both on seven points as well they play each other in the final game round Lampard said in his press conference this wasn't a must win game he said it was a must not lose game which doesn't fill me with confidence as to the quality of the game tonight
2: kind of takes the pressure off his players a little bit but doesn't it yeah. um, I was, oh, if I was Lampard right now probably the worst place to go for although he said not a must win game it pretty much is is Valencia, Messiah, mm. that's that's a tough place to go. I, I don't know. They did it in Ajax, let's see if they can do it at Valencia. If they get a point tonight, though,
3: and they... Yeah, if they get a point tonight, they can win their final game yeah. against Lille yep. and go through. Yeah, so and they
1: that's... do just need a point tonight. Yeah, that's why it's a must-not-lose game, because really, you'd back yourself to beat Lille at home. Mm. Lille are bottom of the group, they've got one point. So you'd back them to win at home, rather than put all your eggs in one basket and go for go for everything at the Messiah and lose, for example, if they lose then it's a much harder situation because it just makes sense basically to to play it safe a little bit if they can. But are they capable of that? They're a young team. So they've been impressive so
3: far, Chelsea in the Champions League. They lost the first game to Valencia. Yeah. And everyone that was in the stage when everyone wasn't quite sure about Frank Lampard and was yeah. there. he'd had a they've developed a greatly since then. Yeah right. and they've taken they've taken on the Champions League and they've done well. They've impressed in what has to be classed as you always have to have a group of death. <laughs> Shay <laughs> Bell
2: in the Champions League
3: and that was the group of death. Lille, Ajax. I think
2: Valencia, Dortmund. Chelsea. I think Dortmund, Barcelona and in Milan Milan's a bit more yeah, of a okay, group of death. Like. And Slavia Prague. Come on. Oh yeah, big boys. Don't I've been to Prague. I'm now a,
1: I'm now <laughs> I an expert on Prague. <laughs> Wow. I yeah. didn't see Slavia Prague. I as seen as a team called FC Bohemians. Oh, nice. Yeah. Stop, good?
3: To, stop talking about your holiday, Sorry. <laughs> Uh it's doing that classic thing when you come back from holiday and every single sentence you start is, when I was on holiday, this <laughs> happens. Shut up. But, right. to, but
1: to answer Stefan's question, no, Bohemians were crap.
3: <laughs> so I'm um, backing Chelsea for the draw tonight to do exactly what they're setting the th- out
2: to do the thing is we're going to say on this podcast right now it's going to be a kg affair maybe a nil <laughs> nil a one one and it'll be a four three oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't really want to say what it's going to be what i will say is if if you're a manager going into the last game in the champions league you don't really want to have to scrap a point off somebody so even though he says it's a it's a must not lose game He's, he's, of course, he's going to go for the win. I, th- I think, I think they'll go out. I think it'll be quite attacking. I think it'll be interesting. Get it wrapped up tonight.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. I think, I think there'll be goals. Um, just because, even though Chelsea are saying we won't lose it, Valencia will will be saying we have to win it because we don't want to go to Ajax and have to get a result. It's yeah. the same situation. In each team is more confident about different things. Chelsea are more confident about winning the last game, and, I, and Ajax versus Valencia. Valencia will be more. Mm confident of beating Chelsea at home rather than Ajax away.
3: Here's a bit of a foreboding sign for Frank Lampard that I read earlier today. Every single manager who faced Ajax in last season's Champions League has <laughs> since <laughs> been sacked. <Yes>. Oh, So <laughs> really? Frank Lampard next season Such a tedious <laughs> stat. <laughs> Good, isn't it? Tedious? Yeah. Could have his card marked anyway. Right, The big news for Chelsea is or according to the tabloids is Ross Barkley who won't be going to Valencia after he was pictured in a Dubai nightclub over the course of the international break... With his shirt off, yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's not exactly the biggest scandal as far as football
2: scandals are concerned. It, it's a bit of an old-school dance move as well. Like That's kind of the mid-noughties, the old top-off on the dance floor. Yeah, the guy who was weird. with was
3: doing the proper swing of his shirt <laughs> round his head as well. But I mean, it's one was of those... Was he like... doing knee slides on the dance floor? <laughs> <are> You're doing <laughs> a wedding as well. Skidding. Does anyone care about Ross Barkley being in a no. nightclub with his shirt off? Is it no. a really weird thing to be even discussed by Lampard in his press conference? No. He said... Barkley has shown a lack of
2: professionalism. Nah. It's a weird scenario, isn't it? I love to see footballers who are real. But What's wrong with going to a nightclub and taking your top it's off? Like, how, old's how old's Barkley? 26. 26? 26? Is he? Perfect. Yeah, that's 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 the age to be doing this sort of stuff. Great. Mm. <laughs> mm. Mally's like, nah, too old. Well, when I was on holiday.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I don't know. He's, he's, he's making young player mistakes. Like... Mm. This is the type of stuff that a 25, 26 year twenty-six-year-old lad
3: doesn't do. Oh, but that's what—that's well, footballers, isn't it? They're all big kids. Yeah, They're and ma- they don't mature.
1: When, there was a thing with the taxi as well, wasn't there, a few weeks ago when he he spilled, a, <laughs> <laughs> he spilled a load of chips or something in the back of a taxi, <laughs> and he was arguing with the taxi driver like, "I'm not paying for that." He's oh, like, "You are, great. mate.
3: You're on sixty grand a week. You pay for it." Um, I mean, he's I don't a, know. He's just—he just seems. he's he what I think's happening because he's got a knock at the moment, right? So he's got an ankle injury. Just someone that he bump sh- into drug- him, <laughs> <more. laughs> <laughs> Struggling to come back for it. I think Lampard's seen this as an opportunity to be a manager who rules with an iron fist and kind of make a big deal yeah. of leaving him at home when chances are he wouldn't play anyway because Lampard has a wealth of decent midfield options at Chelsea. Yeah. He can come yeah. in, he can be the big man, he can say you're not playing, he can give him a slap of the wrist against something that really is It's isn't a that reminder
2: who's boss, isn't it? If if Barkley was was at the top of his game right now, yeah. scoring what 10 12 goals at this point, then there wouldn't have been anything said. Is Barkley one of those players that we've talked about this at Chelsea before with like Giroux that
3: if it wasn't for the Chelsea ban, the transfer ban at the moment, you'd probably see him moving on. He's almost caught in his Chelsea contract when he isn't probably going to be one of the starting three in that midfield, mm. whereas actually moving on would be beneficial to him at the moment.
2: No, I don't think Barclays kicked on like anybody expected him to no. kick on in his early. career. He was the next yeah, Paul Gascoigne, wasn't he? His potential he was, for a while, was, yes. uh, was massive, wasn't it, when he was 18, 19 or whatever he was. it's but... just, just a slightly better Jack Rodwell. <laughs> oh. Oh, damning gosh. damning that that's more painful than his injury I think right wow. the final Premier
3: League Champions League game is Liverpool versus Napoli tonight same story for Liverpool as it is with Chelsea whoever wins tonight between the two goes through to the last 16 Liverpool just got a knack of winning at the moment they've just got something <laughs> they will be 2-1 they'll, uh, they'll get a late VAR goal in like the Champions that. League isn't there so they'll be fine Salah could be back. <laughs> Oxley chamberlain is kind of pushing for a start and he's been impressive so far. But the thing I want to talk about is Napoli and the off-field issues they're having right oh, now. Oh, this is great. This is like mafiosa stuff. I think this is fascinating. So they've not won in six games. No. They were ordered to take a week-long <laughs> training break by the club president. The players then, after the game, I think it was Red Bull Salzburg, Salzburg they were supposed to be playing, just naffed off home and <laughs> didn't go on the training break. Yeah. And now the chairman is trying to find them a week's wages <laughs> for not going in the train. I mean, that, that isn't is, your ideal preparation for a Champions League game, is it?
1: But also, it's absolutely just typical of Italian
3: football. And the way we're
1: talking about presidents in Spain and chairman in England, in Italian, they're just mental men who mm. just run clubs. And is it uh, Eusebio De Laurentiis, I think it is, the Napoli president, and he is genuinely nuts. But at the same time, can you imagine? He's just like, fine you, you're banned, (laughs) you're not playing for three weeks, and Ancelotti's there like, I'm the manager, mate. It's me, it's my decision. But at the
3: same time, you can't imagine in this country, in the Premier League, a club deciding that the team should go on a training break for a week and none of them going.
2: It's mental. It's just eccentricities,
3: isn't
1: it? The closest thing we've ever had, well... It's not quite the Premier League, but um, leads Massimo Cellino when he was in charge. <laughs> and do you remember how funny he was? Like, as in, from, from an outsider point of view, it was hilarious to see him doing all these crazy things. And like, we're all just like, this guy's got a screw loose. That's what every owner is like in, in Italy. He's like, mm. he's just another Italian crazy man. And Di Laurentiis is kind of the same. So it's terrible preparation. And they're not playing that, I think, the seventh in, in, uh, in the Italian league. And <clears throat> Liverpool
2: are flying. In contrast, Liverpool have had the best preparation because every one of the Liverpool players has been injured over the international break, so they're nice, they're <laughs> nice yeah. and rested, they're fresh.
3: Seven of their first eleven, oh, no. wasn't it
2: that pulled out of
3: their
1: international? Un- sports in the
2: unfortunate, yeah. it's really unfortunate. Coincidence, ain't it? Yeah, math. We have, we have so, to
3: remember that Napoli did beat Liverpool in the return leg of this fixture, so that was two 0 yeah, So yeah. are we seeing nothing other? And season as well, cruise through to the last 16. Is that what we're thinking? Nah, I don't don't really know, to be honest. A point will do it, though, won't it? So,
1: like, yeah, I mean, a point will do it, and then that'll set up Napoli versus Salzburg on the last day, which would be a great game, because Salzburg will probably beat Genk tonight, and they've got Erling Haaland smashing goals in left, right and centre, and some good players. So, yeah, I know we're not on this podcast to talk about Napoli, but it's a massive, it's a bigger game for them than Liverpool.
3: I've got another good stat for you, Marley. Hopefully, you won't find this as tedious. Oh, God. There is only can we been... have a tedious claxon? <laughs> <laughs> there have only been two teams that have ever won home and away against the reigning champions in the group stages, and that was you'll never guess it. So I'm not going to ask you. Ajax against AC Milan in 1994-95 season, and CSKA Moscow against Real Madrid in 2019-2018. Oh, that season. wasn't that wasn't tedious. Oh, thank you. It was boring. I appreciate it. (laughs) 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 Do you know what? There's the other big news today, which we will touch on very briefly. But if you subscribe to this podcast, we'll talk about this more tomorrow because it's kind of breaking news at the moment. But there's a few sources, the Mail, Goal, The Express as well, that are linking Nuno Espirito Santo, the Wolves manager, as a replacement for Unai Emery who apparently, if they fail to beat Frankfurt tomorrow night and then lose to Norwich City on Sunday, that is it for Emery. He is sacked and Nuno Espirito will be in. Does he feel like the right man for that Arsenal job? He's done a hell of a project at at Wolves. This is the first I've heard of this, but it,
1: it seems... I think that makes sense. The only thing is maybe the the whole project at wolves is kind of similar to man city in the way that they've gone about it with a strategy they've got a portuguese manager they've raided portugal for players hmm. they've got a lot of portuguese influence there and whether he feels like he's taken them as far as he can and i feel like maybe the europa league you know we've talked about it before you know the the difference between getting into europa league spot and a champions league spot is literally probably a billion pounds in in spending so, maybe it it's, maybe difficult. it's the right time.
3: It feels very difficult to pick up that model of what he's done at Wolves, like you say, with the homegrown players, yeah, and do that at Arsenal, doesn't it
1: yeah, but it'd be it wouldn't be the same. It'd be a different wolves did that because they haven't got spending power, so they needed um the the agent george mendes mm. to to sort them out and do them a few deals, um which I'm still not sure of the whole situation about. I'm not entirely sure it's completely legal of all the strings he pulled for that, but that's another. That's another podcast. The opinion of Marley Anderson and not the sports social. Yeah, <laughs> at, at me on Twitter. <laughs> I love Prague. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know. Maybe maybe if if they tout him with a bit of uh, bit of cash,
2: build your own team. I don't know. Maybe. Stefan, fancy Nuno at Arsenal? Um, yeah, he's the right blueprint, isn't he? Um, I, as Marley said, you don't really know the ins and outs of the whole Wolves thing. You don't know what their ambition is. How far? I, I don't know. It's very hard to imagine all them to Wanderers holding on to a manager who wants
3: to go to Arsenal that
1: Arsenal yeah. want. I, 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 I feel like Wolves
3: have gone as far as they have.
1: They've I, done brilliantly to get there. Yeah. The only
2: problem is, I don't really know many people that want to take over that lot of players at Arsenal. I don't know.
1: Yeah, but maybe, if, it, for example, if he went to Arsenal, Ruben Neves would be like, right, I'll move as well because yeah. i think i think he's such an integral part of getting the players there that he's got the all the all the portuguese guys that they they go hang on i'm living in i'm living in wolverhampton <laughs> 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 and my portuguese mate is now gone mm. so what am i here for I mean, and there's a lot of players that are,
3: could play higher at Wolves. it wasn't that long ago we were talking about arsenal as having the most exciting attacking front three in the premier league with <laughs> pepe abamiyang and lacazette that looks like a slightly ludicrous prediction now mm. but To be fair, Lacazette has been injured for a good two months and Pepe hasn't really started firing yet. The potential of that Arsenal team is massive.
2: Yeah. It is. Yeah, I guess. Stefan just shrugged at me. Went, yeah, yeah, I guess but so. Well, that was the problem with Arsenal. But I find myself unable to speak about that club enthusiastically. I don't it's, know. It's so difficult. You just said that's you're a Chelsea yeah. and Spurs <laughs> fan yes, mate. Yeah. I'm, I'm
3: blue, blue and white. Arsenal, fan, Arsenal, will be your next team you adopt, and then you've got the trick. <laughs> on <laughs> the
1: on the Stefan roulette. Of who am I going to support this week? I think <laughs> I think the drew about January the fifth, something like that. <laughs> right. Look,
2: I'm always on the lookout for a new team, guys. We'll get you an Arsenal we'll scarf for Christmas.
3: Secret Santa boys thank you very much for joining me on football social daily that is it for today's podcast we'll talk about the wolves thing properly tomorrow so make sure you click subscribe if you're our wolves fan and we'll cover that in full and we'll see you next time on football social daily football social daily subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode with the lucky land sluts you can get lucky just about anywhere